Are you a man who keeps returning to porn or other unwanted sexual behaviors when what you really want is to be free? If so, we can help. Hi, my name is Jonathan, the founder of Gateway to Freedom. This three-day workshop is for men who want to overcome any kind of sexual struggle or stronghold. Whether you're married, single, or divorced, this powerful intensive weekend will help you uncover what is at the root of your struggle and discover the man God always created you to be. Our next workshop is coming up April 17th through the 19th in Texas, in the Hill Country, just north of San Antonio. Space is limited, so call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY to register. That's 1-800-497-8748 or visit BeBroken.com. Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad that you've decided to join us. Uh, my name is Jonathan, and I'm here with Stephen Cervantes. So, how are you doing today? I'm blessed. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Well, folks, we are. You know, we're into uh, the new year. We've, we've gotten some weeks under our belt, and we hope that you're growing and learning, and and uh, that God is giving you all kinds of insights for being a man or woman of greater integrity. Um, one of the things that we know that is true of, of really every person's life, because life is really broken down into seasons, right, is that at some point or in some moments or even in some seasons, mm-hmm. loneliness is a very real experience, right? And especially, I think, the older, the more seasons that we've lived, the more uh, we can see how there right. are there's an ebb and flow to how how connected we feel in community and then how we might have seasons of loneliness or maybe even in certain environments, maybe certain contexts we have, uh, there's a loneliness that we feel, whereas maybe in other contexts we don't. So let's try to unpack. I'd love to hear where you want to take us on this particular session. Cause I do believe that loneliness is a very real, um, part of human existence. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I honestly think it's one of the things that I mean, this is a little sidebar deal here, but I think if the church really understood loneliness better, that we would have such a great opportunity to build a bridge into the community of believers, because that's what God invites us into, right? Yes. His community, relationship, real relationship, community. authentic, real, loving relationship. So, And, you know, that was the first thought I had. If everybody belonged to a church and was working in their church, why does anybody have to be alone? Right, yeah. or feel lonely, right? Yeah. yeah. But then you realize there are people that get old and can't travel and can't go to church and can't be involved, and you know, there's all kinds of medical problems and stuff, and that's different. But, but it just seems like you, anybody could have an instant community if you just went to church and, and volunteered and mm-hmm. whatever capacity you want to volunteer and, and get involved. But that's sort of simple. Uh, and I guess that's my thinking is simple thinking. It has to make sense. So I'm, I'm I'm looking at a couple of articles on loneliness to catch my eye. One was printed off the internet. I have no idea where it came from, so I can't give him any credit for it. But I'm going to go over a couple of comments uh, that were made. It said that Americans are suffering from a bad case of loneliness. Said that Cigna released a study and they announced only around half of all Americans say they have meaningful daily face to face social interactions. I just, yeah, I want to think about that for a second. That's amazing. 
half. So they're saying that 50% of the American pop- population does not have right. meaningful daily face-to-face social interactions. That is, you know, and, and then and then I think compounding that, Stephen, is that we have become addicted to the screens in our lives, right? Hey, don't be getting ahead. Sorry, sorry, don't sorry. Don't be getting ahead of the program sorry. here. Sorry, but know? still, only as soon as I only say media, half. jump in. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Half of the people are not having enough contact with other people. Now, do you have any idea how that relates to, say, 30 years ago or anything? No, no, no? that okay. was just something that was in this article. And it jumped down. It said the UN report on loneliness said Germans are reporting an increase in loneliness French are an increase in loneliness. Even Scandinavians, which are supposedly the happiest people in the world, are reporting that loneliness is on the rise. Mm. Then I thought this was interesting. The British Prime Minister, Theresa May, recently appointed a minister of loneliness. Wow. You think about it. It's we have a whole department yeah. now to figure out what are we going to do with all these lonely, disconnected people. Mm. So what are some of the obvious explanations? Get ready, John. Social media, technology, discrimination, bad luck, and he called it neoliberalism. The old liberalism on steroids. Mm. You know, let's push past the old programs. Let's break the old things down. Let's make new things. Let's you know, set everybody free and dismantle structure. Some of that you see falling apart, things falling apart. Well, I think of it this way. All those things, social media, technology, discrimination, so many of that, especially when you think about that neoliberalism, is whenever a society begins to push for autonomous individualism Mm -hmm. and and if you think about it that's so much of what the culture in america right now is pushing for you do you right right this idea of autonomous individualism well where's the natural conclusion of that lead autonomous individuals right right (laughs) so the thing is the thing that we think is going to make us the happiest, right? Getting everything I want, everything being about me. It's really me, 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 me. I'm going to do me if I can just yeah. be me. And then guess what you find? You wake up 10 years later and you're like, it's just me. It's just me. And I don't like that. It's lonely. Yeah, I have to know this and right now. I'm going to jump ahead on this article. It said Robert Putman wrote a book called Bowling Alone. don't you love that yeah let's go bowling alone yeah you know he said boomers will face a more lonesome old age than their parents Mm. so plan on bowling alone wow that's a sad that's a sad picture yeah together you yell you cheer our team your team what's your score bowling alone yeah bowling is definitely one of those things that you would never think that's something you do alone right wow so the article goes on and says we have a rising epido- uh, sorry we have a rising epidemic of opioids mm. right and if you think about it marijuana is now going crazy it's legal right and he said there's a rising number of deaths of despair from opiates mm. you know where you just use and use and use and you end up killing yourself in in its despair Right? Loneliness. Not enough interaction, contribution, involvement. Mm -hmm. So he said the epidemic 
is the result of despair. I thought that was a good observation. Mm -hmm. Now, it was a comment made by somebody, I can't remember who said this, but, but they said, have you noticed there's more Starbucks, they're popping up everywhere, people are drinking more coffee, more caffeine, more Red Bull, more monsters, more, and I'm sort of implicating myself in this too. <laughs> but people are stressed out mm. and busy running like crazy, doing so many things. They got to use substances to keep pushing themselves, right? And and so that may be a little piece of doing a lot, but not resting well, connecting well, enjoying this well. This is the irony that I see a lot of times in in even advertising and marketing and things like that is we are we're, there's this constant push for success that leads to convenience that is supposed to be good for your family hmm. but the problem is is that people just get stuck in the success wheel uh. so in other words the guy who the guy or the, the the mom or the dad that's working 100 hours a week saying I'm doing this for my family because then we're going to be able to have great vacations and then we can do all these kind of stuff and it's like the great vacations never come the time with family never comes the kids grown and out of the house and you're still working 100 hours a week so what we've done is we've kind of said productivity is the highest value in our culture but we've couched it in this idea of if you're highly productive, then you'll have more time for all of these relational aspects of your life. But the problem is we get stuck in the productivity wheel mm. and never actually know what it is to have the healthy relational right. component. Yeah, that's good. So we kind of buy into this idea of I'm going to do this for this later, but we never get to that later. To the later stuff. The article says, as society gets richer and goods are cheaper and more plentiful, people no longer have to rely on traditional families. Mm. Right? We used to share lawnmowers and ladders. We used to, you know, be closer in proximity. We used to have less and we used to... Even if you go back far enough, you know what? My dad could remember that, you know, he, he was sort of, he was born pre-television era and if somebody on the block had a radio, the <laughs> block would go to the, that house on Friday nights to listen to the radio. Oh, wow. That's and that was cool. even a communal thing, yeah, too, you know? Yeah. But when you, when, when you can buy everything easily and cheap and do it independently, then you, you, know, you think about what's happening now. We used to have to go to the, go to the marketplace and pick out our produce, and right, we used to go to the market. Now we sort of go to HEB and go to the market, but now we have our goods delivered at home. Mm -hmm. We didn't go out to the marketplace to get our stuff. I think I've told you this before, but I'll, I'll repeat it again. You know, uh, I, I mean, I you know me, I'm a tech head. I love all the technology and things like that. And I love that some of my favorite places to go to eat, the fast food places, have these apps that you can kind of order beforehand, and then you go... Mm -hmm. And I found myself uh, realizing that I was either only going through the drive-through or maybe only doing the curbside service or whatever. And I realized, you know what, I, I'm still going to use the app to order, but I'm going to go inside and make sure that I have a face-to-face -face conversation with somebody. You know what I mean? Because I was yeah. realizing what you're talking about. It's, it's a slow drift. You realize I could 
literally exist in a bubble. I could live my life in a bubble without ever having to connect with mm-hmm. another human being. And I think, you know, you do that long enough, you will find loneliness on right. the rise for sure. So this was an interesting piece of information. Sex appears to be losing its appeal to young Japanese men and women. The country's fertility rate is about the lowest in the world. And the concept of family has fallen apart. Hmm. So they're in trouble. They're not reproducing themselves. And so they're very going very much robotics and you know using artificial intelligence to do lots of things. And it's not clear why. It's just not clear why the... Um, you know, this is happening. Well, it makes me think, you know, when you think about any kind of decline in in personal relationships, sexual relationships, um, you know, we do know there's a correlation between pornography uh. and the reduction of real life interaction with another human being. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, you know, Japan's a huge porn producer. So there's there's that could be part of it too, you know. So uh, that's one article. This is a second article from AARP magazine, December 2019. Is is there a cure for loneliness? It says we're social beings and we need to connect, to integrate, to become embedded in a social network. We do best when we're connected, integrated, all needing each other. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about it. So one of the things that I think is is dangerous and damaging to us in this idea of of the message of autonomy mm-hmm. is let me ask it to you this way Stephen and I and listeners you can be answering this question as well imagine that I'm asking the question to everybody are you skilled in every possible thing to be skilled in no no, no. so right there you already have need for other people right you have, yes, you have need for it. Absolutely. And I think what we're doing is we're losing that recognition that I can't, I literally cannot do everything that needs to be done in my life. Mm-hmm. This has come home to me in spades with our vehicles lately. Two of my kids' vehicles <laughs> are breaking down. We got tire issues, flat tire. We got all this kind of stuff. And it's like, well, I may know how to change a flat tire. I didn't know some of the problems that were going on with some of these sensors that tell you uh, what the tire pressure is. And we had the bent rim on one. I, I'm not skilled as a mechanic. Yeah. So some of the things that we need to function in life, guess what? I need community. I need other people that know how to do that. Yes. And so we're when we have this idea that I could literally just do everything on my own, first of all, I'm deceiving myself because then I'm thinking, I really could do everything that's necessary in my life on my own, right. and I can't. And I'm losing out on the, the benefit of community and learning from others and needing others. So this article takes an interesting twist because it says loneliness can attack our bodies and shorten our lives. Wow. And and you think, oh, yeah, yeah, everything shortens your life. Stress shortens your life. Yeah, yeah, loneliness. Can... But, but this brain researcher was studying the brains of lonely people. And he said, loneliness stimulates the white blood cell inflammation in your body. So when it, it, he said he noticed the people that are not having interactions with other have white cells that are in inflammation mode. 
it means they are acting like a bacteria infection has come in and the white cells are on guard preparing to kill off bacteria. But there's no bacteria. Wow. And he said, something's going on with this loneliness thing and inflammation. So he tried to put some pieces together. He says, when you have white cells are supposed to, they attack cancer cells. They're, they're, you know, they're the response cells. They get, in, they get in the attack position for bacteria. But when they go into that, <clears throat> the body experiences irritability, suspicion, prone to negative emotions, and fearful of meeting new people and making friends. So then it sort of just implodes on itself, right? Yeah. Because then you don't meet new people, and then it gets worse and worse and worse, right? That's what's interesting, wow. how this thing starts spiraling. You start feeling irritated. You don't know why you feel irritated. And you start <clears throat> looking outward going, what's going on here? I'm uncomfortable now. Is this the people? And then negative stuff starts coming up inside you, and, and you start to pull back. It's almost like there's this... Uh, all the combination of those things almost feels like a paranoia is growing in you, right? Yeah, well, I would call it a suspicion. Paranoia is pretty far down there. Okay. But definitely a suspicion of other people and threat and fear and suspicion are now rising. Mm. You put someone in a room alone and every person comes there will be perceived as a threat. Hmm. So I put you in a room and a person walks in that room, you'll immediately think threat. When your body's in this fight-off mode, you'll perceive threat. Wow. So I wonder what the, uh, I wonder where like the tipping point is, because this does seem like it would get progressively worse once you enter into that, like once these white blood cells start to inflame and that kind of stuff. So I'm wondering like, is there a, is there like a, sort of a, a season of time where it's like you're in the danger zone and you've got opportunity to kind of reverse this. or discovering it. And it's I'm just, going to make a wild, couple of yeah. comments down here. I'm going to jump down. He says, putting lonely people together to make friends doesn't work for two reasons. First, loneliness increases self-centeredness, mm. right? If you're defensive, you're on guard, you're pulling back. So one, if you're lonely, you're starting to think more in a self-centered manner, yeah. right? And second, loneliness makes people irritable and defensive because of what we just said. So I'm, I'm, I'm guarding myself and I'm irritable and I'm defensive about you. And if you put two lonely people together, they're going to hate each other after two minutes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Is that not incredible? I'm, so, I'm guarding me. So this I'm is... I'm irritated with you. I'm suspicious. And both My of you are doing that. Is signaling, and we're doing it to each other. And so after two minutes, is why are you here? What do you want? Yeah. Get out. <laughs> is that not why? That is crazy. So this is this is this is explaining to all of our listeners when when maybe they've tried to be a matchmaker and put <laughs> and say, you know, hey, I know lonely Bob over there. Oh, I know lonely Sue over there. We should get them together, right? <laughs> and it doesn't work I out. Hadn't thought about that. <laughs> <clears throat> That's right. So That's right. this is fascinating. I thought so too. He said there's no single cure for it, but they do make some recommendations as we get further along. So let me just bounce a little more. <clears throat> the military tried what they call a social fitness exercise. 
They taught soldiers to look up from the cell phones and talk with the people around them. That was called social fitness, huh? Social fitness. We spent good government money to conduct a study. Over time, we needed offices and computers and people. And the fitness exercise was, don't look down, look up and talk. It's amazing how something so seemingly simple and like you would think, well, that's common sense. If you want to be connected socially, you need to actually connect with a person, you know, mm-hmm. but that just shows you again, the, the power and the influence that so much of the technology has had in our lives. Yes, right. Absolutely. And if you think about that, Stephen, <clears throat> do you know, the first, the first smartphone was not even made until 2007. So think about that. We're talking that in essentially less than 13 years, mm. the influence that social media and technology has had on us has had that much of an impact to where now we're having to do social fitness exercises to help people realize that looking away from your cell phone and actually having <laughs> eye contact with another person is good for you. Right? I mean, think about that. It's 13 years. training. In the whole yeah. history of humanity, the thousands of years of human beings, in a span of only 13 years, we've gone from something that would have been commonly known right. by every culture on the planet that... Yeah. Oh, you know what? You want to have you want to have you want to combat loneliness? Like connect with this person eyeball to eyeball and have a conversation. To now we're actually having to specifically give training <laughs> to exercise social I'm glad fitness. You're, you're emphasizing that. It's pretty funny. So it's kind of funny and tragic all yeah, at the same yeah. time, you know. So he said, what, what do we want as people? We want to be around people that have the same core values that we have. And we sort of see that splitting in our country. Let's oh, yeah. go forward and let's be liberal and dismantle and change everything. Or no, let's hold the old institutions in their place. You see this divide happening, right? We want to be people. If you're an outdoorsy type, you want to be around outdoorsy type, right? If you're a computer junkie that likes tech, you want somebody else to sit with you and talk tech, right? We like to be around people that have the same core values, and we like sharing life experiences. Mm-hmm. I just went to Portugal, right? My wife went with me. We made some memories. We tell stories. We laugh. We talk now. We have things that we've experienced that bond us. You know what? And this is this is to me kind of a a, a litmus test that I that I try to give myself every now and then. I think it's a good one too. Is when uh, you know coming off of a off of another change of the calendar, right? We're in a new year, 2020. I think sometimes it's good in those changes of seasons to ask yourself about the last season, this question, what has been most memorable? Mm. And just not qualify it, not put it into a particular category, like not what's been most memorable with my family, but just what's been most memorable. You know what I will, I'll typically find is that it, it sets a barometer to where my heart, my focus, my my energies are being put. And you know what I've found almost 100% of the time? Nothing disconnected from people is most memorable to me. Mm. In other words, and and if I if something were to make the radar where I said, man, the most memorable experience of 2019 is when I got that new phone, then I think there's unhealth in my being. Mm. Because I believe like this is saying, 
we intrinsically being made in the image of God as human beings, God said from the very beginning, looked at a man that he made by himself and said, not good for man to be alone. He's woven it into the fabric of being human mm. that we want to share life with people. Yes. So when I think about my previous year and I think what's been most memorable all the time, people are what come into my mind. Oh, remember when we took that trip and we did that? And oh, remember when, when that happened and, and we all laughed because it was like we were all stressed about it, but then it just kind of blew up. And, and then we were like, man, that's going to be a memory, right? Because yeah. something, something went wrong and we all shared that same experience. Oh, that's good. But I think that's a huge way to, 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 for us to know, am I drifting from people? Because maybe mm. if I think about the last year and nothing comes to mind other than maybe interactions mm. with things or interactions with a television program or interactions with a device, then I'm like, it's no wonder to me then that maybe loneliness is on the rise because we're not having those shared life experiences with people. That's good. That's good. So AARP says sometimes volunteering helps. Mm -hmm. Pretty common sense. Just get around people and do something together. It helps me. It helps you. It helps others. It makes us useful and productive. So sort of a simple get up and do something, find some people and do something. I've seen that have a tremendous impact in my own mother's life, you know, in her retirement years. And as she's moved to a new city to be closer with, you know, family and stuff, but still she volunteers with Meals on Wheels. And it's helped her build a friendship with other ladies that do that together, but also just being able to go to these homes and and serve these other people with that. It's been huge. Yes, that's great. So uh, let's see here. They're trying medication to break this feedback loop. On the white blood cell inflammation. Right, because loneliness heightens inflammation, and inflammation can heighten loneliness and increase our sensitivity to negative social experiences. Mm. So remember, if we're irritated and agitated and it doesn't go well, that just reminds me, I don't want to go out there. Mm-hmm. People hurt you, let you down. I'm going to pull back. So there's something in our body, and, the, and if the social environment is difficult or tricky and we're already sort of walking wounded, that's a, a formula they're trying to break. So they're using some of the new antidepressants to try to reduce somebody's system that that feels like they're in a socially threatening situation, mm-hmm. right? So how do we use a medication to calm the being, calm the brain down, so they can stay and engage better, not be so responsive, not so guarded? They're not sure exactly. Um, they're part of the study said they were using some almost uh, aspirin substitutes, Aleve or Motrin or something. They're trying different things to get the brain to get off the inflammation cycle so it's not so agitated. Mm -hmm. And they're not sure. They're they're trying things because they just found this and they don't know what's going to work. But what they're trying to do is silence the mind that sees threat everywhere, even so you can go maybe do some therapy and talk to somebody but with a more open, receptive, restful mind, you're going to do better. And I think, you know, we, we've we always around here tried to think of um, the person as the whole person, right? So clearly I think, man, if there's some medical treatment that can help with some of the biology that's going on in terms of just that inflammation and those kind of things. But there's also the emotional component. There's the spiritual component, yes, right? Absolutely. And one of the things that struck me is, okay, this idea of if you put two lonely people together, they're going to hate each other in two minutes, right? 
So maybe a better solution is drawing lonely people into healthy people's relationship, yes. relational yes. environments. So like you were mentioning, hey, church, if we've got some some small groups or whatever, one of the things that we like to do, my wife and I, in our particular life group that we have is, and it's it's kind of a philosophy of life groups at our church, is there's always an open chair. Mm. In other words, there's never a closed group. Like there's always an open chair. So we want That's to be invitational good. of saying if it, so if if you're lonely out there, I mean, um, think about some of these things that we've been saying here about how can you maybe volunteer or step out. I know it takes courage, but the other thing too is that's what we're here for in ministry. We love people. We love to hear your stories no matter where you're at. Um, and and we might be able to help you get into some of those safe groups good. to where it can be, hey, I want to, I want to, I want to be more connected in my life. I want to I want to do more social fitness exercises <laughs> and actually look up from my cell phone and have some eye contact with people. Whoa. But uh, so That's if you good. are struggling with loneliness, uh, we do take it seriously. We want yes. we want to help you. So please reach out to us. Um, and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the program. Take care. God bless. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.